going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and on t- today's episode of the Forging Fury podcast, we have a really close friend of mine. His name is Joey Pellegrino. What is going on, Joey? Hey, man. How you doing? Joey, Joey. So I do not have Michael alongside me today, so it's just going to be me and Joey. And yeah, so Joey, where are you exactly? Tell me where you are. Where am I? I am actually at my mother's house right now in Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, um, but I work out of Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, so Joey is an old friend of mine. He actually, well, Joey was my first coach. He was my first real good friend, first mentor. This guy has really put an impression on my life, so I feel like it was a good time for me to interview him, and maybe he can help some other people out there as well. Did you even know some of that, Joey? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I think I've heard you say some of that before, but that, that hearing it again, you know, that, that, that hit me. Yeah, dude. I mean, we were roommates. We were, I was your boss. You were my boss. Like we've done every, uh, every which way we could do this. I forgot that I was your first coach. Yeah, like you were. First, uh, individual program design guy. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Joey used to be my coach. I was about maybe 130, 140 pounds with dreadlocks. And Joey was uh, brave enough to uh, take <laughs> me on as a client. And it's kind of been like a process ever since then. If you can, if you can even visually put that together. Yeah. I've learned a lot since then. Yeah. Come so. a long way since then. Uh-huh. So Joey, you have been in coaching for how long? Uh, just about 10 years now. So you were a super, super old school CrossFit. Tell me about like when we first got into CrossFit, how'd you get into CrossFit and things of that nature? Um, so I was, I went to uh, college kind of like most kids without really any, uh, <laughs> understanding of what I wanted to do. And so I thought that I wanted to go into the Marine Corps and, uh, really looking back on it, the thing that, you know, enticed me about the Marine Corps is just the physical challenge of it all. Um, so through that, I kind of, I I'd always been involved with athletics my whole life playing, you know, every different sport you can imagine. Um, growing up as a kid, I went to private school, you had to play sports. And so then come college time, I, I was looking for that physical challenge and, you know, chose the Marine Corps and that ended up not working out. I, I kind of, well, I got a scholarship to go to school with the Marine Corps, but, uh, ended up getting dropped for medical reasons. And, um, but through that, at the time, the Marine Corps was starting to adopt CrossFit as their training program, which they never actually officially did, but they were endorsing it pretty hard at the time. Um, this was probably like maybe 12 years ago, I would say. Yeah, about 12 years ago, they were kind of pushing it. So a couple of my roommates who were still in the ROTC unit, they, uh, they got hooked up with CrossFit when I was kind of on my way out of the unit. And, uh, you know, they just invited me one day, like, hey, dude, come work out with us. I was like, okay, cool. So went in there and we did uh, Nancy. Nancy, was, that's um, such a good one to start yeah, out with. Yeah, overhead squats and running. Of course, you know, I had never overhead squatted before in my life. I was in really good shape, you know, for, for what I from what I understood. I could run, I mean, I, I ran a perfect PFT test for the Marine Corps. So I was in, I was in good shape or so I thought. And, uh, <laughs> putting some overhead squats in there with the running kind of changed things up a little bit. Kind of the hardest movement to give a first go. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't have anybody there to coach me. I was, I was at the university's gym and, uh, my, my, the guy I was working out with my roommate at the time, he was just one of those naturally gifted athletes, you know? So he was sitting there knocking out these perfect overhead squats and I'm over there with some jacked up grip on the bar <laughs> coming up. I'm like, so, you know, I didn't have anybody to coach me. So, but, you know, um, you know so from then on, I pretty much went and did CrossFit with them, you know, every day uh, for a while. I was also boxing at the time, so I was trying to, like, you know, get in good shape to box and, like, you know, kind of in that mentality. So I would go in there and do the workout with them every day. And the more I did that, the more I learned that they didn't know what the heck they were doing either. <laughs> We'd go in there some days and it would be, like, snatch or whatever, and they didn't, they didn't even know what a snatch was. It was like the deaf leading the blind, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so I went in, you know, I started going on the website and looking at the videos beforehand and learning the movements. And then I ended up, you know, over the course of time coaching those guys because they didn't know what they were doing. They were just naturally strong and, and talented, well, well balanced athletes. And I was like, I had to have the technique. So I, I learned all the techniques and, and ended up just kind of coaching them. And then from there, I kind of figured out I had a knack for it, you know? And, um, at the time I was kind of playing with the idea of going to med school, 
And then I kind of started getting more into that and more into the CrossFit realm and understanding, you know, kind of the inadequacies of the medical system as is right now and uh, understanding that, in my opinion, I can make a bigger difference in people's lives, you know, if I could get them before they ended up having to go to the doctor, you know? So that's kind of my mindset now. I always tell people now that we're like, we are like the modern day, like we're in the trenches of healthcare. We're in the trenches of keeping people healthy. We're in the we're in the trenches. We're doing the field work rather than like the doctors or the people in the hospital seem so far away from the issue. Don't you think? Yeah. You know, it's, they're, they're trying to deal with symptoms most of the time. Um, not, not all doctors. I'm not saying doctors are bad, but the system is set up in a way that people don't go see them generally until they're sick. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, they have these health markers like cholesterol or blood pressure. And then of course, you know, well, if your blood pressure is high, well then you just, take this pill that lowers your blood pressure, right? Of like, there, there, there's good doctors out there that are, you know, we'll talk to them about, you know, nutrition and, and whatnot, but they're not really educated on that too well unless they go, you know, and educate themselves on it. It's not, you know, they're not taking all these courses in med school about you know, nutrition. nutrition. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then it comes down to, well, I, what I found anyway is most people know what they're doing is wrong, right? So <laughs> if you ask them, like, okay, well, all right, so you want to lose 20 pounds. Well, what do you need to do? And you know, oh, I need to give up soda, or I need to quit doing this. I need to quit eating ice cream, or quit smoking, or, like, whatever. People know what they're doing is wrong. And what i found is, you know, they don't really know how to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have something that's a strong enough motivating factor to get them to want to stop doing it. And yeah. I mean, when you're addicted to something, man, it's, it's a whole different thing. You know, you can know that you're not supposed to do it, but for, for a reason and for another, you end up to keep on doing it every day. And you might afterwards and that night you're laying in bed and like, Oh, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> and then come the next day, you know, come time for you to do X, Y, or Z you're doing that thing. And it's just, you get set into these, you know, patterns. And what I've started to learn now through, you know, the, the continuing education stuff I'm doing now is generally focused on holistic lifestyle coaching. So, you know, I've learned to help clients identify what their dream is, you know, mm. and teach them to build values around that dream. So if your dream is to be able to play with your grandkids or be able to have function in your body to an old age, well, then we got to look at what you're doing each day. And if you're spending <laughs> five hours sitting on the couch watching TV, well, is that dream affirmative or is that going to pull you away from your dream, right? Yeah. So, and just getting people to, to look at their lives like that and, and, you know, hold themselves accountable in a way. But, you know, then the coaching partnership comes in where I'm not necessarily holding them accountable, but I'm there to help them and to be understanding and, and also help them understand that it's going to be a long process. You know, it's very, very rarely do you hear, well, you, you hear these stories, but very rarely does it work out this way that people just wake up one day and end up, you know, changing their life and having this crazy, you know, 180 degree shift. And most of the time it's like, long time they've been drinking or eating too much sugar or <laughs> any sugar, you know, eating processed yeah. foods. And then, you know, one day it's like, well, they try these challenges or whatever, but you know, it ends up being someday they, they just kind of slowly do less of it. And, you know, they have some reason that, that's keeping them or they're, they're happier in a different place of their life. Do you think with your experience in coaching that people want to put in the work to kind of change or like, you live in a universe where people like they want to change or do they not? Mm, I think that's very, yeah, that's, that's, this one's going to get deep by the way, guys. So if you, <laughs> you need to sit down and kind of, uh, strap in, this one's going to get deep. Yeah. So, you know, that's not a, very much on a case to case basis. I think, you know, some people come to me and they're motivated and they're chomping at the bit, so to speak. And, you know, they're ready to rock. They're like, all right, coach, what do I need to do? And I just tell them and then I get them homework and next week they come back and they do all their homework and they're, you know, right on there. I still treat it like a step-by-step -step process regardless of how motivated they are. Um, and then I have people that are much more challenging. Um, <laughs> Which are majority, majority of clients, majority of people are. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, ma yeah. making a change in your life is hard. It's very hard, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's where that's, if everybody could do it on their own, then I wouldn't be in this industry because mm -hmm. I wouldn't have a job, right? Yeah, so that's like why that. I come in. Is, well, if you know you're going to meet me every Friday at 3 o'clock, 
okay, well, every Friday at three o'clock, you know that you're going to have to come clean to the man, so to speak, and <laughs> here I am, right? You know, but that's still, I have people come see me, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, did you do your homework? And they're like, oh, well, kind of, okay. So then it comes down to, all right, well, some people, you're just like the question was asked, some people are not ready to change. And, you know, that's where I have to, you know, tell them, hey, this is what we agreed upon. And, you know, make them sign a piece of paper, you know, make it look like a contract. Here's your homework for the day. You're going to do this. You're going to, you're going to whatever, take 10 deep breaths every morning before you eat breakfast. Like whatever, you know, whatever the specific thing is that they need to do, whether it's go for a 30 minute walk every day or a 10 minute walk every day. And then sign that piece of paper. And then if they come back the next week and they didn't do it, well, at a certain point, I have to, you know, look at them and say, hey, you know, I know that you purchased X number of sessions with me, which I normally do a package. So Mm. you purchased X number of sessions with me, but it seems to me that you're not ready to be coached. So I'll hold those sessions for you for a year. And when you're ready to be coached, then you can come back to me and, you know, the sessions will still be valid. Yeah, that that seems like you make a, from my experience with you and like even being one of your athletes to seeing how you work with a lot of athletes is like the connection you make with people is way beyond like reps and sets and things of that nature. So Joey, we met at a gym called Carolina CrossFit in Columbia, South Carolina. And, and maybe what year was this? 2012, 2013, maybe. So I think Joey is my longest acting friend. I don't think I've had a friend longer than I've had Joey as a friend, but let's, uh, I want to talk about kind of your journey with Carolina CrossFit and how we kind of coexisted there. And, and when'd you, when'd you, so you were at college and when'd you get involved with Carolina CrossFit? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when I was in college, I was generally not training at Carolina CrossFit. I was training at the college gym or with the uh, ROTC gym and a couple of my buddies. Um, but maybe like on a weekend here and there, maybe once a month we'd get into the gym and, and, you know, going to the CrossFit gym was like a complete different ball game because it's just, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, and probably most of the listeners know that have been there anyway. You go into that class and it's like three, two, one, go time, and you're <laughs> you're pumped up, Full and you're on. you know, it's a different thing, man. It's different. It's way different. So you know, as as time went on, I started recognizing that being around those people, and you know, when I was in college, I didn't have money to go to a gym, so you know, the free gym is the way I got there. Was, you know, the one I chose for sure, but just being in there was just a completely different atmosphere, and. um yeah, so I, I picked that as soon as I could, as soon as I was making enough money bartending to mm. pay for a gym membership. So I went in and started doing that. And, and the whole time, you know, I was still trying to coach my friends. And I approached the manager at the time, um, Bobby, who knew Bobby. Yeah, and, Bobby um, Milsa, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I approached her and I said, hey, Bobby, you know, if I get my level one, can I coach her? And she's like, absolutely. That'd be, and that so was cool. Pretty much. Yeah, so pretty much from then, from there, I just started saving my money and saved up a thousand bucks and drove up the street to Charlotte and went to uh, CrossFit Charlotte at Andy Handel's place and got my level one. Oh, nice. Almost 10 years ago, probably at least nine. Wow. Maybe, yeah, probably nine years ago. And then pretty much went back and, uh, you know, started coaching from there. And it was like, <laughs> by the time I got that, she had left and she wasn't managing, managing the gym anymore. Mm. And uh, Paul was. Paul was there, man. Paul, the shout out to Paul Beckwith, by the way. Shout out to my yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, dude. He's, he's, he was my original mentor, dude. He was, he's the man. He, he's truly the man. I love that guy. Yeah, that, that guy showed me nothing but love and gave me all the opportunities. So shout out to that guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, and he gave me my first opportunity. And, you know, uh, <laughs> it was, this was back in the day. You know, there wasn't much continuing education. Well, there was. CrossFit had all the continuing education stuff. But it was pretty much like, yeah, dude, come coach. Yeah, so I went there and just showed up showed up at 9 o'clock to coach the 9.30 class. And <laughs> he, just, he just basically let me do it, you yeah. know. And it was kind of trial by fire. But I, I, I had the passion for it. I mean, I have the passion for it. So... You know, I showed up and, and did the best job that I knew how to do at the time. Kept doing that. And I think that trial by fire is the only way, especially when it comes to coaching, man. You got to get out there. And I mean, and you make a lot of mistakes, but you learn quickly. Like there's, you can tell if someone has it. Like if you have it as a coach, you can tell. And like drawing it out and drawing that process out. Like, what are you really like? What are you really doing? Like, it's a quick, like you just jump in. Right. Absolutely. You know, you don't know until you get out there and try mm. and, uh, in, and somebody could have all the certifications in the world and have all the book knowledge in the world. But when it comes time to relating to somebody, you know, getting them to understand is, is a different story. 
I remember quite vividly, like I was lucky enough to have like two really good coaches. Like when I was coming on Ben Aiken and you like, and even Robbie Boutwell and things of those nature and Paul as well. Like, you know, they gave me a lot of tips. They let me, they let me fail first. Well, you let me try. And then you would come in right afterwards. You'd be like, Hey, like maybe try this. Hey, watch this. Like you can have a trial by fire, but you need some like solid mentors and solid people around you to kind of guide you in that yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we get, I will, Joey starts to work at Carolina CrossFit and he's like a staple there. Like people love Joey. People have like the best relationships with Joey. And I come on as an athlete at Carolina CrossFit and, and I meet Joey and people, well, first of all, when I show up to Carolina CrossFit, Joey was not there. He kind of went to Charleston to work for a little bit. And like, I keep hearing Joey, this Joey, that, oh yeah. I remember that time that we did this with Joey. And I'm like, who the hell is Joey? Like I have this, like, <laughs> I don't even know who this guy is, but like, no one seems to say a bad word about him. And then I guess things change in Charleston and you head back up to Columbia for a second go round. Yeah. Yeah. So you come back and then I finally, I'm sitting at the gym on a Sunday one day and I'm sitting on my car. Maybe you're going to open the gym. I don't know what's happening, but Joey pulls up in this 1976 cop car with the windows tinted. Like this hoopty looked like the biggest car I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was a police at first because only people that with have the that yeah, exactly only people that have that car where I'm from are police. So I'm sitting on my car waiting. I'm like, is this the cops? And then Joey, Joey hops out of the car and we just start being friends ever since then. So yeah, the way we met was kind of a roundabout way, but I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest with these listeners, like, I don't think that like, since that moment, like Joey's taken me under his wing and kind of been a really good mentor for me. He was actually the first person to teach me anything about nutrition. Joey, like, I mean, Joey is the type of person that will eat some uh, pretty interesting foods and he'll let you know about them. And one day I just keep asking him about these, like these things that he's eating. And he's like, well, why don't you come to the farmer's market with me? And so Joey takes me to the farmer's market and he explains to me like how quality of food is important and like grass fed beef and how this is important for you. And like the way it's going to affect my body and like everyone ever like talk about your views on nutrition, Joey. And like, you've always been, you've been the beacon for me of like, I'm like, well, if Joey eats it, then I can eat it. Yeah. Well, I also was eating a lot of ice cream at the time. So. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it, so it, anymore, it's all about man, balance, but, I guess. Well, yeah. So, you know, when it comes to nutrition, the way that I look at it is, you know, you can get into all the micros and, 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 you know, weighing and measuring and all that stuff. But what it comes down to is, is this the way that our ancestors ate? And by ancestors, I mean like pre-industrial revolution ancestors, right? So the paleo, quote unquote, paleo diet kind of got some, got a bad rap. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm quote unquote paleo. I'm not at all. Um, because some of that stuff is, is just a little bit dogmatic in a way. Um, <clears throat> but generally speaking, you know, what we evolved to eat on this planet is, the way that we should be eating and you know when as when our ancestors got away from that that's when a lot and people don't understand that's because they just don't know but when we got away from that that's when a lot of problems started happening in our society Mm -hmm. and not just i don't just mean like the big ones like heart disease and diabetes and things like that i'm talking about like crowding of teeth like the bone structure in people's faces have changed. And when people have crowded teeth, generally speaking, it's due to a lack of nutrition, either in the parents when they were conceiving the child and when mm-hmm. the child was being born and then in the developmental years. So when the, when the child was, you know, age zero to five, if they're not getting the right kind of nutrition in their diet, it can lead to the arch of their teeth. Not that being is formed correctly wild to think about. Yeah, their bones are formed differently. So, and there's a cool book about this. It's called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. And uh, it's about this, well, it's not about, it's by this uh, dentist, actually, who traveled around the world in the 30s and went to all these indigenous cultures. And he would basically look at their teeth and, um, you know, and and look at the, the people who were eating the natural diet. So, you know, every culture has different natural diets. I mean, the Maasai warriors were basically all dairy and they would also eat blood from their animals. So you know, that was pretty much, they. that's all they ate. And, and <laughs> all the way, you know, to the people in Peru. And he went to, 
probably over the course of five years, he went all around the world and studied every, you know, all these different indigenous tribes and not even necessarily indigenous tribes. Some of it was like people in the Swiss Alps who were just not in into the industrial food stuff. And then he would compare that to people eating the industrial type food, the white flour, white sugar, things like this, right? White salt. And the people with that were eating the conventional industrial type food, they were getting cavities at, you know, crazy rates. And the people eating the natural food, I mean, their cavity rate was like less than 1%. They mm. didn't even get cavities. And we're talking about people that didn't brush their teeth. They That's didn't wild. have dentists. Yeah, right. So, you know, so he starts seeing this stuff and really he went there to look at, you know, well, why, why are, why, why are people's bone structures not forming correctly in their mouth? What's causing crowding of the teeth? What's causing the, you know, what's causing cavities and dental caries? And, and also, you know, what's causing tuberculosis? Because at the time, tuberculosis was this huge issue. And essentially what he found, and this is back in the 30s, so it's kind of funny that <laughs> it, yeah. it didn't have, I'm sure it had a big impact. <clears throat> 75 years later, we're still struggling with this same yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 75 years later. And now it's like, well, we have dentists, right? And, uh, you know, and, and we take vitamins and, and we have vitamin fortified cereals, not just <laughs> cereal anymore, right? It's vitamin fortified. And it's like, okay, okay. Yeah, sure. But we still are having these same problems. So, <laughs> you know, back to the original question, like that's pretty much my stance on nutrition, you know, yeah. it's like, if we can get back to being as cool. And that's not saying you can't eat a donut. If you love donuts, bro, eat a donut, man. Yeah. But understand that that donut has no nutrition in it. It just has calories, but there's no nutrition. And those calories take nutrition to break down in your body. So it takes certain vitamins and enzymes that, that are created by vitamins and minerals, but the food that you're actually eating has no vitamins and minerals in it. So in order for you, so essentially you're at a energy negative. Mm. So your body is using more energy to digest that food than you're actually getting from the food. So then what happens over long term is if you continue to eat these types of foods, then you start having degenerative diseases, such as something like osteoporosis, right? So thinning of the bone. Well, if you're eating food that has no minerals in it, your body has to get minerals from somewhere mm. to digest that food. And so that takes it from the teeth, which is why people get cavities who eat sugar. It's not from bacteria forming in the mouth. It's from the, the body pulls minerals, calcium from the teeth. And then you end up with weak teeth that are more susceptible to getting cavities and, and all different types of things, you know. You, you would definitely say that you have a holistic approach to pretty much all realms of training and nutrition of that, of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the same approach with the, with the working out, you know, it's like, yeah. well, how did our ancestors used to move? Did they put their arm in a machine and do bicep curls? Well, not really. Okay. Well, <laughs> then there's probably a better way to train, right? Yeah. It's not saying there's no, there's no application for that, like in a rehab setting, mm. but as soon as you can get the client out of that type of setting, the better. As yeah. soon as they can start doing, you know, an integrated movement where they're using the whole arm and then they're using the whole upper body and then they're using the whole core, lower body and upper body together, the better results you're going to have and the more functional the results are going to be, yeah. right? So they're not just going to have a strong bicep. They're going to be able whole to reach down and strong. grab something, yeah. right, and integrate the whole thing together. You talked a little bit earlier about leading by example, and I want to give people an example of that. Like when we, when we coach together and I keep diving back into this cause there's so many good times, but Joey would always make a point. Like, I don't know if this is an intentional or unintentional, but he would always make a point to eat, like eat food in between. So we had a four o'clock class in a five thirty p PM class and he would make it a point to eat food in between that, that kind of that time, that 30 minute gap window. And he would start mm -hmm. up so many conversations with people over food by what he was eating. So he was leading by example. And that's something I've taken the fury with me. If you can ask anyone before I coach in the afternoon, I'm usually reeking up the place because I'm reheating food. <laughs> I'm heating food up so people can, yeah. they walk up to me, oh my God, what's that smell? Or like they think it smells bad or like, but, but that sparks a conversation. And I'm, and I'm showing them and you sh showed me and everyone that you had an impact on that, hey, like, Food is important. What you put into your body is important. I'm going to show you how to do this. Like leading from the front, Absolutely. leading by example, like even st things like that subtle, like that small, like 
seeing, knowing that I'm going to come into the gym around five o'clock, which is the busiest hour at Carolina CrossFit was like, Joey's going to be eating some crazy sauerkraut beet rainwater salad or something crazy, (laughs) something that's going to spark a conversation that we could be like, Hey, like, what did you eat today? Or like, did you eat a vegetable today of some sort? Like that, that even just something that Mm. small, like doing that to like, to spark that conversation is huge. Like leading by example, it's, it's always been something that maybe we've done intentionally or unintentionally, but I feel like we had a lot of good conversations around food that during those 30 minutes, a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely, man. No, that was not intentional. <laughs> I was just hungry. <laughs> well, now, definitely. Every, every I mean, it was in a way. It was intentional because that's the time that I needed to eat, right? And I didn't have any yeah, exactly. other time because after that, it's 5, 36, 37, 30. So well, it's either eat at 5 or eat at I mean, 9 o'clock at night. Me and you have had, probably had some of the deepest conversations I've ever had with another human. And and I, I really want to touch on that a little bit. And we've we've gone so many down so many rabbit holes together. But something that uh, that we have, me and you, we have this bond that we really can communicate about anything. Like we share a lot of the same struggles when it comes to relationships and, and paths in life of that sort. And, and I've never really been able to communicate to another human, male or female, the way we talk. So uh, how do you, what, first of all, why do you think that is? Maybe we just spend a lot of time together. Oh man, I don't know. I think there's just some people out there that, that, that you know, you have a mutual respect for mm. and, um, you know, have the, have the same kind of attitude on life. You know, I know the first time I met you, I was like, Oh, I love this kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm not that much older than you, but at the time you were like oh, for probably sure. 19 and yeah. I was like 24, 25 yeah. or maybe 23 even, but still it's like a kind of a different, you know, area of life. But yeah, just kind of clicking with somebody, you know, yeah. and, and yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like together, like, I feel like our relationship, like, well, in, in even our big friend group, like we've kind of rewritten what like what masculinity looks like. I feel like me and you like and like we've had a lot of conversations with other people of just being real and like talking about things that men struggle with. Like, do you think that? Well, a good question is, what do you think masculinity looks like? Masculinity. Yeah. That's, do you, do you think it's, you it, know, is it a good huh. thing? Is it a bad thing? Can it get you in trouble? It's a it's a it's a loaded concept that I think is very misunderstood, right? I think it's very misunderstood in our society. And um, personally, I've felt this coming, it has been coming along for a while now. Um, just There's just more people that are asking questions and, you know, about whether it's talking about gender roles in the family or, you know, um, equal rights and all that stuff. This stuff's been going on, you know, really it's been turning the corner since, probably like the past hundred years, I would say, but it it started to kind of like really, really, really pick up momentum. And that's just with the the internet, you know, and the exchange of ideas, everybody can hear these ideas before you, if you grew up out, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere, you didn't get any new concepts and ideas, right? You just had the same, all you got your, your concepts from was your parents and your close close relatives and your neighbors, right? And the people at school who they kind of had the same. <laughs> that seems so wild. Like I can't imagine what my mindset would be if it was just based off my parents and like close family. Like, right. It would be a different person. Man. Yeah. And you know, and, and so the concept of masculinity, I think was one of those things, you know, and there's still cultures out there that are like this, but you know, well, Oh, well you have to be manly, right? Be tough. Well, mm. that's just being a strong human. That's not a manly or a womanly thing. It's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. are you an adult? <laughs> <laughs> Can you? Like, oh, yeah. well, paying your bills. That, that, yeah, yeah, you got to go to work and you got to be, you got to bring home the bacon or whatever. And it's like, yeah, man, that's called being an adult. Yeah. Taking responsibility for yourself, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe that, that if, if male or female, maybe that cooking the food. And um, I cook all the food pretty much in my household. I cook I all the cook. food for me. I don't cook for many other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when I have other people around, right? So, <clears throat> but uh, I just enjoy cooking. Now, is cooking a masculine or a feminine thing, right? I think that it's kind of neither. So I think the idea of masculinity is like, well, it's the yin and the yang, right? Masculine, feminine. But in femininity, there is a seed of masculinity and vice versa. So, mm. You know, ultimately, yeah, so ultimately, when you're being manly and being a strong masculine person... Huge it, it, air quotes it, right there. Huge air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's keeping it in balance, right? Because if you're only, quote unquote, masculine all the time, 
Well, nobody wants to hang out with that person. Yeah, we all know that <laughs> well, guy. I mean, for short, short amounts of time, but you also have to have, you know, compassion and, and empathy and, and showing love. And that's not a, neither a masculine nor a feminine quality. It's, it's kind of like a balance. Of both, it's a good right? human because quality. Sometimes, yeah, because sometimes showing love to somebody might be being a little bit tough on them, right? Yeah, Telling yeah, them like, yeah. hey, man, it's time for you to start taking responsibility for your life. And sometimes it might be like, Hey man, give me a hug. I know things are tough. Right. Mm. And, and you just, it's going to, you're going to get through this and, and just, just keep on, keep on putting in the work, keep mm. on putting one foot in front of the other. Right. So which one of those is masculine, which one of those <laughs> is feminine, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, I, you know, so I think I thought all that stuff in our society is changing, which I think is a very powerful thing, but there's also going to be a lot of hiccups along the way. And there's going to be a lot of people who don't understand things. And there's going to be a lot of people who stretch things one way or the other. Um, yeah, and, I think you know, we're seeing that. I think just living to what other people think is a man or what is a woman or think of those natures, like just living your life through other people's standards and ideals is you're just never going to be happy doing that. No. And it might take a lot of lessons. So. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's like you're just. Yeah, you're going to take a lot of L's that way. I feel like living someone else's life, like living living through other people. I think that um, when it comes to treating other people the way they want to be treated, like just being a good human, like I, we, I think we underestimate that of like how hard that is or how easy it is. Like just uh, I think, and this is something we, we both struggle with and talk about is we, I go through phases where I'm highly addicted to my phone. I get upset with myself about how much I'm on the phone. And I know you kind of share that struggle sometimes and go times without. So kind of yeah. <laughs> tell me about your struggle with technology. With the, with the what? The phone? Yeah, phone time. Yeah, dude. Or, well, maybe some, <laughs> or maybe some successful things that you've kind of done to limit that technology time. Oh, man. Honestly, dude, that's that's one of those things where it's like in the moment you got two choices, right? Well, there's really, there's really three choices. There's the dream affirmative choice and the dream non or disaffirming or, or dream averted averting choice, right? Which is normally going to be the instant gratification. Mm. So let's say we're talking about watching a video on YouTube or scrolling the Instagram feed. Well, <laughs> the instant gratification is that. But the dream affirmative thing is like, well, if I want to be a more compassionate, present person, the dream affirmative thing is if I just sit here, if I'm like waiting, at, you know, waiting for whatever, if I'm sitting there by myself, waiting for food to come out of the restaurant, well, maybe I just need to sit here and smell the smells of the restaurant and listen to the sounds and be present with where I'm at right now. And or, you know, there's the other option, which is to be apathetic and not care and not really make a choice, which, you know, that is a choice in some some aspects that, that's a positive. You need more time to make a choice. But in, in, when it comes to the cell phone thing, you pretty much got two choices, right? Mm-hmm. Either do it or don't do it. Yeah. Um, and then it comes down to, you know, well, what's your dream? What's your dream, man? And if you're not clear on your dream or your goal, if you want to be more, you know, type A, <laughs> what's your goal? What's your objective? Well, get clear on that and then set up values around that about every aspect of your life, about the exercise, about the food, about, you know, the, the quiet time, which this can be con- considered quiet time is not having the phone. It really yeah. is quiet time. If the phone's in your face, shining that blue light in your face. You're waking yourself up, man. So, mm. It, it, you know, you're, you're creating a, you know, a stimulating effect. So for me, it came down to, well, do I want to be stimulating myself at night before I'm going to bed and then not sleeping as well as I could. And then the next day that's going to have a snowball effect. Right. And then the next day and the next day, and the next day. Right. Yeah. So for me, it, it's become very easy to, you know, cut the thing off. Yeah. I think, I think when it comes to bad habits for me, I always go like, how is this serving me? Is this getting like, is this helping me get towards my dream as in the verbiage that you've been using? Or is this hindering my dream? Like, how is this, how is this cell phone time serving me? Is it, is it bringing me closer to what I want to be or further away? And that's usually at the point where I throw the phone across, across the room and, and get done whatever I've been putting off. 
Well, and the more, and you know, honestly, the more that you use it, the more that you have it on you, the more you create this feeling, and it's just a feeling, it's not real, but the more you create this feeling of needing it to be near you. Mm, that and, is so weird. Because <laughs> I, I do that, I'm like, oh, I crave it. Like, I just want to touch it. It's almost like tactily, like, yeah. like physically, I just want to have it near me. Well, so I think, you know, a powerful thing to do is put it on airplane mode. Yeah. <laughs> put the thing on airplane mode and carry it in your pocket with you. If you're, if you can't like leave it somewhere. Right. So when you're coaching, when I'm coaching, I don't have it on me. I got it over on the desk somewhere away from where I'm at. So there's not even, there's not even an opportunity to use it. So that, you know, you can take yourself out of the situation completely like that and get a flip phone. And then, you know, you're going to have that, yeah. you're going to have that debate with yourself with, Oh, well, well I, I, I need a smartphone. And it's like, yeah, do you though? No, you don't. That's your, that's your addiction talking. But but what about my emails, dude? What about my emails? Yeah, right, right. Like you can't just open up your computer that we all have and probably don't use very much because of the cell phone. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, then it comes down to, well, how often do you need to check your email? How often do you need to get on Facebook? <laughs> how often do you need to get on Instagram? And it's like, you know, if it's part of your business, like when I was running the gym, it was part of my job yeah. to, in, to answer Facebook messages, to post on Facebook, to be on Instagram. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you need to be doing that 24-7. Yeah. And that's a conversation that you got to have with your boss. And if your boss is like, well, hey, man, if we get a message at 9 o'clock at night, then you need to answer it. Well, then it's, time, it's probably time for you to start looking for another job. Yeah. That doesn't align with your value. Yeah. Right. So that's, that comes back to creating values around every aspect of your life. Mm. So where, where are your values when it comes to smartphones? And for me, it's like, all right, well, if I'm at home and the people that I'm close to know this, I'm probably putting that thing on airplane mode mm. or I'm leaving it in my room and I'm going to be out working in my garden for, you know, doing Tai Chi or cooking food and my mm. phone's not in there with me. So if it's an emergency, like ultimately, you know, I don't have that many responsibilities when it comes to like, you know, uh, being an emergency contact for somebody. But even if I am, like, what am I going to do in an emergency situation? <laughs> Everyone that's listening to this, do not make Joey, do not make Joey a, uh, an emergency contact, please. He will not help you. <laughs> but I mean, really, realistically, who's going to be calling you? The hospital's going to be calling you. Well, the hospital's probably going to be taking care of the real emergency. And so <laughs> when so. you get to, but you know what I'm saying, man, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what, what am I going to do 30 minutes sooner than if it was, all right, well, I'm going to work in my garden and, and you know, whatever, and then come in 30 minutes later and there's my phone. Oh, I happen to miss message from so-and-so. Well, let's see it answer. And if it happens to be an emergency, then you can handle the emergency rather than, <laughs> you know, always being worried about, well, you know, what if an emergency happens? Okay. Yeah, okay. I feel I mean, like you, you everything's do, okay. That's just anxiety. You do a good job of like setting, like you have a good work to life balance. Like you know when to say, hey, like I'm out, like I'm done, like I can't do any more work. Like I need to like either get away from work or kind of balance time. So do you think you think you handle that well? Yeah, I mean, ultimately it comes down to, well, how long do you want to be doing really good work? Because if you're working 18 hours a day or whatever, even if it's 10 hours a day, whatever, that comes down to creating value. So how much work do you really want to do? And if it's four hours a day, then that's four hours a day. And if you know, you know that if you work six hours a day and you only want to work four, well, eventually you're going to get burned out. Yeah. And most people, it's like, it's, it's more like the 10 or the 12 hour days, right? And six days a week. And then it's like, okay, yeah, well, then I get to take a vacation. But yeah, then I mean, you're so stressed out that by the time you get to your vacation, you, you don't even have the time to unwind. Mm. You take a two-week vacation, and by the end of the two weeks, you're like, man, where did that vacation go? I can't believe I got to go back to work already. And it's like, it all comes down to uh, how much money do you need? How much money do you actually need? Yeah. And how much money do you want, right? Mm. And, and creating that kind of, having that value set in stone. And then, you know, when your boss, if your boss comes to you and says, hey, I got this going on, can you cover? And it's like, yes, I can. But when it happens every single week and then yeah. you're working an extra day every week or extra couple hours every week, then it comes down to, all right, well, what steps do I need to take to either A, get a new job in this industry or B, you know, get the skills I need to go into a different industry where this doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So like coaching, I get to make my own schedule. 
if I don't want to work, if I don't want to take on another appointment, if I don't want to work with another client, then I have the opportunity to say, oh, I, you know, I, I, I can't take on any more clients. So it's, yeah. it's, for me, that's the industry that I need to be in with the type of personality that I have. Yeah. But if I was, you know, working as a, I don't know, you know, an investment banker or something where I'm going to have to be working certain set hours. Well, okay. Maybe I made that choice when I was 18 years old and went to college and now I'm 28 and I'm miserable. All right. Well, at a certain point, you got to take <laughs> responsibility for your life yeah. and say, do I want to live the next 28 years like this? Or do I want to figure out what it is that I am truly passionate about and, and, you know, I'm excited to get out of the bed. And it's not an easy thing to do, man. It's definitely not an easy thing to do. I mean, you know, I just changed jobs and, mm. and it's, 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 it's a big, it's a big deal. I get it. I totally get it. One thing that I've learned from Joey is definitely when, when his heart isn't in something, like when he isn't fully hundred percent passionate about it, he'll pull the plug. Like if he's not like, he only does things 125% and he, when he's, when he feels like he's not there, he pulls a plug. This is a guy and this is a true story. He was in a, in a funk and like, wasn't really like, he wasn't having a good time with what he was doing anymore. The man went and lived in a tent in the woods for about <laughs> three months, just him in a tent and a dog. I'm not lying to you. Yeah. Joey, speak on that yeah. experience. Tell these people that you lived in a tent. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I was running the gym and I didn't really want to be running the business because there's a lot more responsibilities. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, through that experience, I, I, I learned a lot. And probably the most powerful thing is that number one, I need people in my life. Like I think we all need people in our lives. And, um, you know, also, you know, the highlight of my week was I was still coaching, right? One day a week, I was writing some exercise, some online programs, which I can do at home, wherever. I can or in a tent. tent in he could do that from a tent, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, really, I would go sit and, and, you know, sit at a cafe or sit in my friend's kitchen and do it there. But, because um, <laughs> the tent, the service, self-service was not great. Yeah, getting a hold of Joey during those months was hard. Yeah. If you're sitting in a tent on the internet, it's kind of silly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, the, what I learned from that experience is the best day of my week was when I would come travel to the gym and coach, I coached two classes a week and I, you know, really truly realized like, Hey man, this is really what you want to be doing. This is the thing that you are the most passionate about and what you are super excited about doing is interacting with people and, and, you know, putting out that good energy and having the opportunity to impact somebody's life. And, you know, it took me taking a step back from all of the other things that I was doing, doing payroll and making Facebook posts and all this stuff to understand that, like, that's not important to me. Mm. What's important to me is coaching. Okay, well, then how can I set my life up so that that's what I'm doing? And I'm not having to make Facebook posts. And I know that it's important to have social media. I know that's important. Well, how much money do I need to make so that I can pay somebody to do that for me? Hell yeah. And then, and then creating a goal, right? And then working towards your goal, creating values around that goal, and then putting in the pieces in place on a day-to-day basis to work towards that goal. Yeah. And, you know, that was, that was really was the first, uh, you know, without having the, the coaching that I needed at the time, but that was the first kind of recognition of that, you know, like, well, what is the goal? Well, I didn't have a goal. I was kind of just wondering. So my goal was like, man, I don't know. I still live out in the woods, you know? <laughs> and then from that experience, I learned that I, I learned a lot. I learned, I learned, like I said, primarily that, having people around you, people that you care about that, that you're going to get to see and be excited about and having that community, you know, that's why, in my opinion, that's, that's probably to put a number on it, 60% of why CrossFit is so successful as a community, sure. you know, and you know, it's also the magic's in the movements, right? So if you never really worked out or you just did bodybuilding stuff and all of a sudden you're doing deadlifts and you know, push presses and all this, you know, complex kettlebell swings and stuff like that. There's magic there too. But what keeps people coming back is, you know, our society, we're so separated now. We're all in our own little caves, right? We've all created our own artificial bubbles to live in. We all live in a house 
and it's separate from our neighbor's house. And, and a lot of people these days barely know their neighbors. They probably know their neighbor's names, but they're not going out. They're not hanging out and having these gatherings, you know, on a weekly basis, much less on a monthly basis. I've been in Phoenix for two years and never talked to either, either neighbors on either side of my house. Yeah, man. And, <laughs> and ultimately I think that that needs to change in our society, you know, and, and you know, on, in Phoenix, for instance, the bigger the city is, generally speaking, the less of that. There it's is. the fifth largest city in this in the country, dude. Fifth largest city. I just learned that this past week. Yeah, man. The community is is the biggest lesson I learned from that whole experience in my life. And number one, number two was how well you sleep when you get out of the light, man. Like, mm. I, I I still think back to how, I mean, every single night I slept better than I nor than than most nights regardless of how much cell phone time I've had or, or how stressed I am in my life, I slept so good. When that sun went down, you got seven tired. Hours, yeah. I mean, even if I slept for six hours, I would probably go to bed a lot earlier too, when you don't have any electricity. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely <laughs> go to bed more. You definitely more in, in tune with the circadian rhythm. And, yeah. and you know, it comes back to, you know, well, that's, that's what we are. We are a animal on this planet and every other animal is subject to the you know, natural laws and they don't have electricity and artificial light. So when the sun goes down, it's time to go to bed. And mm-hmm. if you're not winding down when the sun goes down, which in the summer it's what, eight thirty. If you're not winding down by eight thirty, but hey, come winter time it's like seven, six thirty. If you're not winding down by those times and you're starting and that's when you're sitting in front of the TV and, and TV's cool, man, but you gotta, you gotta watch it, right? You gotta, <laughs> you gotta pay attention to how much. If you're like, man, I love this show. It starts at 10. Tape that. Watch it the next day. Like you gotta start taking responsibility for your choices on a day to day basis, right? And, and, you know, that was an extreme choice that I made. <laughs> yeah. But it was very eye opening in a way. And I know not everybody has that opportunity. For me, it was super inspirational. It was, it was something that I like admire about you is like, and it's something I've taken maybe on a smaller scale so far in my life. But if I'm not passionate about something, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time trying to fill a cup that has a hole in the bottom of it. You know, like if it's not lighting me on fire, then I don't want to do it. And like, it, it, and, yeah. that, and that's how I want to live my life always is like, if this not, if this isn't something that I'm a hundred percent passionate about, then dude, it's not even worth doing for me. It's not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you it know, took you taking a step away from that to realize that, Hey, that, that is what lights me on fire. Yeah, man. That's how we create in this life. You know, that's how we create what we want in this life. And, and we all are creators. We're all co-creators of the universe. We get to decide what we create with this life that we're gifted. And if you're, if you're not following your passion then like, man, you're creating somebody else's dream, dude, mm. either you're creating your dream, either you're working for your dream or you're working for somebody else's. And that's true. That's this. You can, you can try to split that up as much as you want, but ultimately it comes down to that. So yeah. if you're not passionate about something, well then you're working for somebody else's passion. Mm. And, and ultimately you know, we got a short time here on this planet and, you know, if we're lucky, we get what, 80 years. So, you know, at the end of the 80 years, you don't want to be looking back and being like, dang, man, I wish I would have, you know, that one time I was really passionate about baseball. I wish I would have coached some baseball. Yeah. Well, you know, at that point it's too late. Right. So you got to find your passion in the moment and it might seem crazy. It might seem like, man, I'd have to completely change my life and how am I going to pay my bills? And it's like, you know what you're going to do? You're going to find a budget and you're going to get on a budget, man. And you're going to live in an apartment that's way smaller and you're going to sell your car and get something cheaper or like do what you got to do. Call in all the favors in the universe that you have in your family and your close friends to make it happen and and keep on trying. And Mm -hmm. when you fail... Because ultimately you're going to fail. You're going to move out to the woods and you're going to find that it ain't all that you thought it was going to be, right? Yeah. And so when you fail, you got to learn those lessons. Because there's, there's a lot of this stuff comes from Paul Check, who, you know, I've been studying with him a lot. But, you know, if you start looking at the thing, instead of saying winners and losers, there's only winners and learners, right? Mm. So either you won and that's great. I won. Everybody loves winning. But everybody hates losing, right? But what if you change the aspect of it's not losing, it's learning. So if you got beat in something, what did you learn? 
Maybe you learn that you need to practice more. Maybe you learn that you need to get better at shooting a basketball so you can make the shots and you don't miss as many shots. So you're learning what you need to do next time so that you can become a winner. Mm. So, you know, if you could start and, and you, you know, it's scary because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to fail, but it's not failing. Man. It's, yeah. it's learning what to do next. It's learning how to do it better. It's learning how to, you know, if you miss a snatch, that you keep missing a snatch over and over and over and over. Yeah, you're going to feel like a loser. But if you have a coach there to point out to you and say, hey, man, you need to do this X, Y, and Z. Maybe you need to take some time away from snatching and just get strength in these positions or whatever, have that guidance. Well, the, ultimately, the most powerful thing is to learn to do that for yourself. And we talk about snatching or maybe it's ice cream or whatever. You know, you're going to Saying fail. that drugs. Ultimately... Yeah, ultimately, you know, if you're struggling with the cell phone, if you're struggling with watching TV, you're going you're gonna to stay up late like I did the other night. You're going to watch a movie until 1030. Well, what did I learn from that? Well, I learned I felt like crap the next day, <laughs> which is crazy, which is crazy because it's like you don't think that. But the more that you pay attention to it, the more that you can learn. And so then that's all that is. is I'm not going to feel down on myself and get depressed and feel like a loser because, oh, here I am preaching X, Y, and Z. No, you know what I learned? I learned a very powerful lesson. No more TV after nine o'clock, dude. You know, and it's like you take that with you. And then the next day you build on it. You don't beat yeah. yourself up because you lost. You'd say, oh, man, I learned a huge, powerful lesson from that. And the more you do that, the more the lessons come, you know? And then ultimately, you're, you're five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, you're like, wow, this is heaven. I've created heaven on earth. So I usually try to end these episodes with like, well, leave us with a parting word or something super inspirational. But dude, I don't think it gets better than that. You knocked a home run before I even had to ask <laughs> uh, you. I can't do it on cue, bro. <laughs> no, yeah. So you did it without even asking. Winning and learning. I feel like people's frame of reference when it comes to handling adversity is 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 interesting and reframing that as a is a practice all in itself. But really, we'll, we'll really wrap this thing up. I mean, Joey, like, I can't tell you how much of a mentor, friend, you know, just valuable person in my life you've been. I mean, the guy that mm. drove across the country for me, like, you, you, you've been the best friend that I could ever have. And I really appreciate that. Man, I appreciate that, dude. I, know, I love you. I miss you every day, dude, man. Dude, I love you too. And I do miss you. I'm, I'm going to be home around August. Yeah, good, good, man. That'd be great. All right, man. Well, I love you. Thanks for being a, um, a guest on our podcast. Like this is, this is me coming full circle and just showing the gratitude to you, my brother. Thanks for having me, dude. This has been another episode of the Forging Fury podcast. Here's what I want you to do. You listen to this conversation with me and Joey. We talked about certain things that, you know, that we struggle with. Uh, if it be the telephone, it'd be the donut, it'd be the, you know, staying up late watching movies. I want you to share this episode on your Instagram and kind of tell us what you're struggling with. Like, what is it that you struggle with and how, how you're, what are you doing to kind of fix that, fix that issue? So share this on all kind of platforms of what are you struggling with and how are you planning to try to improve that? So have a great day. We love all you listeners. We really appreciate it. Thanks. See you soon. Stop